Welcome to Epiphany Church. Uh, my name is Pastor Derek Parks, and um, I'm so excited that uh, you are gathering with us today. And so, listen, we have reopened today, and we are back in person. And so we're excited about that, excited about what God is doing, excited about what God will do, um, excited about uh, you all gathering together again in worship of our Savior. And so it's been, what, 15 months, 14 months, something like that. It's been a long time um, since we were able to gather together like this in person. And so uh, I'm just thankful to the Lord for the opportunity to be able to do this um, and to do this to bring God glory. And so uh, we're in a series called Devoted. And so this series, we've been walking through the book of James together. And so as we're walking through the book of James together, we're taking our time. Uh, we're going to be in James for a while. Somebody say a while. Uh, we're going to be here for a while. Um, and so strap in, right? Uh, put your seatbelt on because we're going to be here. Uh, it's going to be a long ride. Don't be asking, are we there yet? And stuff like that. <laughs> uh, but we're going to be here for a while. And so last week, Minister Cam brought a word to us devoted to wisdom, right? Anybody was excited about that word he brought to us last week? And so uh, devoted to wisdom, he was in James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. And so today I'll be in James chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. It's a bug flying around my head. <laughs> um, and so... James chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, uh, with a message that I'm going to title for you today as Devoted to Humility. Devoted to Humility. I wish I had a better, like, more upbeat thing for reopening Sunday, but this is what I got. <laughs> Listen, the word is, is still the word, and we love the word here, right? Uh, so that's uh, whether it's a, a jumpy word, a, a preachy word, or a word that's going to uh, slap us in the face a little bit. So <laughs> let's go into it. James chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. This this idea here of devotion, we're, 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 we call the series Devoted is because uh, it's my belief that devotion is a misnomer in our culture. Um, long story short, we don't value devotion, Right. Uh, anything that sort of predicates one being devoted is, is oftentimes sneered at and frowned upon. Um, but devotion, as it is defined, is defined as giving, uh, is giving all or a large part of one's time and resources to a cause. And so the greatest cause that we have is the cause of Christ. And so my challenge for us in this series is to call us to give our all to be devoted to Jesus. Does that sound all right? Uh, and so James helps us with this tremendously. He helps us with this tremendously, as, and he helps us to grow through this. So James chapter 1, verse 9 through 11. By this time, you should have it. If not, it's up here on the screen for you. Hear these words of our Father. He says, let the brother of humble circumstances... Boast in his exaltation. Verse 10, but let the rich boast in his humiliation. Because he will pass away like the flower of the field. In verse 11, he gives us a more descriptive explanation about what he's talking about. He says, for the sun rises and together with the scorching wind dries up the grass. 
its flower falls off and its beautiful appearance perishes. In the same way, the rich person will wither away while pursuing his activities. Father, bless this word. Bless your people today as we hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen to me. A a, a person can counterfeit love. What I mean by that is a person can pretend as if they love you and they really don't. They can do all the things that look like love, but yet not really love you. A person can even counterfeit faith. They can do all the things that categorically fit within the structure of what faith looks like, but yet still not have any faith. A person can even counterfeit hope. They can pretend as if they are hopeful in situations where they aren't necessarily hopeful in those situations, but they just pretend to everybody else. When people ask them what's wrong, they'd be like, I'm good. So you can counterfeit faith. You can counterfeit hope. You can counterfeit love. But the one thing that you cannot counterfeit is humility. See, you soon detect false humility. (laughs) You can quickly detect false humility. They have a saying among the the Arab people that, that says that the tares and the wheat grow together, but the tares will show you that they're not actually wheat. See, the ears that God has blessed meaning the wheat, as they grow up, watch this, they bow down. But the tares, the things that are not actually wheat, as they grow up, they stand up straight. And that's how you know the difference between the wheat and the tare. See, the more fruitful they are, the lower they bow. The less fruitful they are, the higher they stand. So it is not often easy to counterfeit humility. And so what I want to help us to understand today, as I'm calling us to be devoted to humility, is that if we would only learn how to lay low enough, then God will use us for his glory. And, and this is a paradox, right? This, this is one of those paradoxical natures of, of the Christian faith, right? We, we see these things all the time. The, the one who is to, to be first, that person is to be last, right? The person who is, who, who is to be greatest among you must be what? You're the servant of all, right? We, we, we see that up is down and all that different kind of stuff like that. See, Webster defines a paradox as a statement that is seemingly contradictory or opposed to common sense, yet is perhaps true. I think Mr. Webster got it right. An example of this is giving is receiving. Right? When you give, <laughs> you ultimately receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. All that, all that stuff you hear. And the scripture, again, has tons and tons and tons and tons of these paradoxes. 
A theologian said one time, he says that a paradox is truth standing on its head, shouting for attention. And so uh, what I want us to understand here as we're looking at this passage is that a paradox is a powerful vehicle for truth. Why? Because it makes people think. And so James here, concerned about the readers of his letter, he's concerned that they not succumb to the instability of their circumstances. So much so that he resorted to using a paradox in verses 9 and 10 to convey a stabilizing wisdom. The first one that he uses is this. He uses the paradox of the rich poor. And I'm going to explain this to you. And then he uses a paradox in verse 10 of the poor rich. So let me go first to the to, to the to the rich poor to help you to see what James is doing for us and what he's doing for those who were reading this letter in the early centuries of the church. It says here in verse nine, it says that the brother. Or let the brother of humble circumstances boast in his exaltation. In other words, James is writing to believers who have been scattered abroad. He's writing to believers who find themselves in the midst of circumstances and difficulty. He's writing to them and he's telling them, he's letting them know, he's saying, listen, rejoice or boast in your humble circumstance because of your exaltation. Now, these two paradoxes together they help us to see some stuff that I want to get to you today that I think is really important because James is helping us to see some things this morning that I think are quintessential for our life today here as we navigate the Christian faith. So so, so what James is doing, he, he's saying, to listen, he wants us to feel this in our culture because in our culture, people who are poor are often looked down on. People who are poor are often mistreated. People who are poor are often relegated to almost a second-class citizenship just because they don't have economic means. What James here is telling us, he's saying, listen here, those who are in humble circumstances, they get to boast because of their exaltation. And I want to help you see this. He, he starts out here. He says, let the brother or but the brother of humble circumstances, this, this, this idea here of let the brother, it's this it's idea uh, that has the implication of an antithesis. This, this idea here is a, is a disjunctive. It's, it's expressing a choice between two mutually exclusive possibilities. So you understand that boasting, right, and being in a humble circumstance those are mutually exclusive possibilities. You understand that, right? One who is in, in a humble circumstance doesn't often boast, right? 
unless they're showing off, right, or, or, or trying to, to make themselves appear higher than they are, which would not be humility, right? And, and so this boasting and this humble circumstance, there are two mutually exclusive possibilities, but this is exactly what James has been driving at the whole letter. He tells us, he said, listen, devote yourself to joy by knowing that trials produce endurance, which leads to maturity. And then he says, devote yourself to wisdom by asking God for what you need without doubting, right? And God will generously provide it for you. Minister Cam told us that last week. But he shows us here that, the, that, that, that these mutually exclusive possibilities are possible in Christ. Is anybody hearing me today? It, it, it's possible in Christ. Here's how it's possible. He's saying, listen, he says, but let the brother... James is speaking paradoxically here to let us know that the person in humble circumstances should boast in their ex, in their exaltation, right? But the reason for them boasting in their exaltation, even though they are in a humble circumstance, is because they are a brother. You missed it. <laughs> see, see, watch this. See, James is letting us know that the person, and he's writing, remember, he's writing a real letter to real people, right? And so he's letting them know, he's saying, listen, the brothers among you who are in hum- humble circumstances, they ought to rejoice or boast in their exaltation. Watch this. He's letting them know, he's saying, listen, the reason that they can do that is because they are a brother. <laughs> They're a brother but from another mother, Right? <laughs> But the same father. Oh, you missed it. You missed your moment right there. They see, they're a brother from another mother, but the same father. You, you're not catching. I'll help you. See, my, my, my family tree, right? My family tree is so confusing. <laughs> when I try to explain to my daughter, and, and listen, I love, listen, I'm on Ancestry.com all the time. Like, I'm like tracing my family history, doing the little leaves. I have like files in my computer with all the census records uh, of my family in North Carolina and stuff like that. There's a town called, called Parksburg and all that stuff. Like, I, I, there's, so, there's so much, right? And I'm, I'm so excited about my family tree, but the rest of my family is like, bro, please. This is confusing. I try to explain to my daughters and they just go, Ugh. All right, Daddy, I, I don't I don't know, right? <laughs> My tree's so confusing that Ancestry.com be asking me for hints. <laughs> be like, can you can you run that past me again? Because I I wasn't clear on that. <laughs> and, and, and the reason why my, my family tree is so confusing, right, is because of this. My grandfather, Sonny Parks, has twenty nine kids. Like legit twenty nine children that he fathered. Five of them, four of them he fathered with my grandmother, and the rest of them is just out there, right? So <laughs> what happens is there are many brothers and sisters, right, out there. My mom, and my, she has many brothers and sisters with the same father but different mothers. And watch this. Because of who my grandfather was, right, Sonny Parks, he, he, was, he was something, right? They say, I couldn't say what I want to say right there, but he he was something, right? And so many of them, many of his children struggle with him as a father because he was absent. So listen, there are many brothers and sisters, same father, different mother, right? 
and they struggled with, with, with their father because he was absent. But listen to this. The same is true of us in Christ, right? It's because in Christ, we might have different mothers, <laughs> but we all have the same father. And unlike Sonny Parks, right, we don't struggle with our father in the same way. Why? Because he's never absent from us. He's not a deadbeat dad. He takes care of all of his children. In fact, it lets us know, it says that when we, we, when we are children of God, then we are part of the family of God. And listen, uh, Romans chapter 8 verse 17 lets us know that now if we are children of God, then we are heirs of Christ. And, and, and that we're heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. So listen to me. You're an heir. <laughs> and, and being an heir, that means, that, that has some implication for you, that means that you have access to some stuff. Uh, I wish I had some help in the room today. Listen, when you're an heir, that means that you have access to some stuff. That, that means that, that, that God has given you some things and there are some things lined up for you because you are an heir. There's some benefits attached but see I, I want us to get this i want us to get this i don't want us to miss this because james is helping us to see here he's saying listen even the brother in humble circumstances right even the poor brother he's not really poor he's rich poor see see he's rich poor because although his pockets might be light <laughs> Even though his earthly pockets might be light, his heavenly bank account is full. And see, when you're in Christ, when you're in Jesus, you rejoice and boast in your circumstances, even when you're low, even when you're flat, is because you recognize that you've got a heavenly bank account that is full. See, and I want us to see this here. He says to them, he says, listen, let the brother of humble circumstances or the brother of low estate boast in his exaltation. This humble circumstances, I want you to see, I want you to catch this though, right? Because when we look at it, we, we could talk about being poor, right? In your pocket, right? But there's also being poor of spirit. There's also being lowly of spirit. Oftentimes, <laughs> being poor in pocket leads to being poor in spirit. Now, poor in spirit is not negative. Poor in spirit is a good thing. And so what I want us to see here as we, as we look at this passage is that, John, that James, excuse me, James is pointing us to, to a humility. He's pointing us to humility that sets us up for exaltation. Are you tracking with me? He points us to humility that sets us up with exalt to exaltation. Here's how I know that. The word that is used here for humble is the same word used of Jesus in Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, where he says, Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart. And what? You will find rest for your souls. So when we take on this form of humility, when we take on this type of lowliness, we take on the character of Jesus Christ. So you can be in a humble circumstance, but you can also be humble in your circumstance. 
regardless of what the circumstance is. And so I want us to be devoted to humility. So I'm helping you see here. He says to them, he says, listen, back in verse 9, he says that the one, that the brother, in humble circumstances, boast in his exaltation. This idea of boasting, right? We don't, boasting is not often a good thing. If somebody's boasting all the time, you struggle with them a little bit. Like nobody likes somebody who boasts all the time. Like I was so excited the other day because my dad and my brother are Lakers fans. And they'd be on my back all the time. They'd be just in my face, just boasting about all the championships the Lakers got. Blah, blah, blah. And so when I called their phone the other night after the Lakers lost, neither of them picked up the phone. I hope they're watching this morning. <laughs> But he tells them to boast. This idea of boasting here, though, is, is, is not the idea of, like, bragging. It's the idea of glorying in. So look at this. He tells them to glory in their exaltation. This glory re- re- refers to a, a high renown or honor that is won by notable achievements. And so, for us, the high renown and honor that we have won has been won for us by Jesus. Y'all know my favorite song, right? They, they sing it all the time. They'd be like, he has won the victory, right? That, I love that song. And the reason I love that song is because it gives you reason to boast in Christ. It's because he has won the victory. He is the one who has, won a, who has won by notable achievements, high renown, and honor, and praise. But, but the, other, the other definition of this, this word here is to take great pleasure in one's exaltation. So I want you to see here, him calling us to boast, right? It's him calling us to take pleasure in the fact That although we are in humble circumstances, Christ has exalted us. And so what I want us to catch in this, as we're learning to be devoted to humility, is I want us to catch, right, is that we have something to take pleasure in, in our circumstances, whatever those things are, because Christ has won the victory for us, and that leads to our exaltation. So James is starting out the letter, right? He's saying, listen, count it all joy, right? When you experience multicolored trials, right? Count it joy. And then he tells us, he said, listen, if you need some wisdom on how to navigate life and trials, ask me and I'll give it to you. But he's showing us this in this passage. He's teaching us is that regardless of what our circumstance is, we have something to take pleasure in, and that is Jesus. So I need you to see here, he tells them to boast in their exaltation. Humble people boasting in their exaltation. Lowly people boasting in their high position. This is crazy. That that because of what Jesus has done for us, and because of what Jesus is doing in us, he's doing something as well through us, right? 
And so what we see in this passage, again, one of the paradoxes of the scripture is this, is that when we, when we, even though we are in humble positions, Christ has exalted us and he's calling us to glory in that exaltation or that high position that we now hold. There's a story about a general who's sitting around a table and there's a chaplain there at the table and the general had just won a great victory. And, and so he asked, he asked the chaplain, he said, chaplain, he said, what? Can you tell me what it's going to be like in heaven? And so the chaplain turned to him. He chewed his food a little bit and he turned to him. He said, well, he said, first thing, in heaven, you won't be a general. <laughs> You'll just be a worshiper. And, 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 and so the, the, the idea here, the, the paradoxical nature for us is that it, regardless of what your status is here, right, on the earth, regardless of where you stand or where you sit, right, there's one day when you're going to be ex- you're going to receive exaltation to a worshiper of God, right? Who's going to worship him constantly. But not only that, if we suffer with him, guess what? We get to reign with him. And so I want us to see this. The paradoxical nature of the Christian faith is so immense that you could have the lowliest status in the world but be highly exalted. You could have the lowest position on your job, (laughs) but still be highly exalted. I know that to be the truth. When I was coming up, there was, I I, I went to this little youth program. It was a Christian youth program sometimes, and there was a janitor there. And we used to tease the janitor, because that's what kids do. We used to tease him. But one day they brought him up to speak to us. We didn't know who he was or, or all the accomplishments that he had. But he began to they began to like give his bio right of all the stuff that he's done. And they started talking about him and they said, but he's so content to be a janitor here. And everybody who comes in contact with him loves him, not because of the stuff that he's done or the accomplishments that he has. But because of the humility that he takes in the midst of his high achievements. So I need us to get this paradox here, and I'm pushing it a little bit because I want us to see that humility is one of the greatest paradoxes of the Scripture. <laughs> see, so many of us in our culture, we want to be exalted. And we want to be exalted right now. <laughs> J.G. Wentworth. <laughs> Mine and I want it now. I want 30,000 followers on Instagram now. You haven't shared a post in like 13 weeks. <laughs> like we want all this stuff. We want to be exalted right now. But the reality is this, is that our pursuit of exaltation is often pursued in the wrong way, which is why we never obtain any exaltation. See, we think the way to be exalted is to go high. <laughs> but remember the wheat that I talked about in the beginning? The way to receive exaltation is to go low. And so look at this, verse 10. He says, now, he, he goes from those who are in, in humble circumstances, the poor, to go and talk to the rich. Now, don't check out on me here in this verse saying, I'm not rich. I know that's what you're thinking. 
Right, well, this don't apply to me, Pastor Derek, because I ain't got no money. <laughs> it does. Because anybody take a shower this morning? Please, God. <laughs> People take showers this morning? Amen. If you took a shower this morning, you're within the category of folks who are considered rich. Anybody have breakfast this morning? Maybe, maybe not. You got something in your fridge you can go and get, right, for breakfast? Or you know exactly where you're going for lunch right after this service is over? That's probably more to the point. You know exactly where you're going. Some of y'all heading right to Southeast Kitchen right after this. Some of you going to Just to Serve You right after this. Jalapeno Grill. Like, y'all know exactly where you're going. What's the other one? Santa Fe. Like, y'all know where y'all going right after this. And your ability to have that notion or, or ha- your, the, the, that you have the ability to choose one of those puts you in a category of folks who are rich. So don't check out. He says here, verse 10, but let the rich boast in his humiliation. Because he will pass away like the flower of the field. That sounds a little harsh, uh, Brother James. I know you're Jesus' brother and all, but you have to watch your mouth. <laughs> so, so look, he says, let the rich boast in his humiliation. The rich here is, a, is any person who is abounding in material resources. A rich person is anyone abounding in material resources. And, 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 and what's helpful to note here is that it could also apply to abounding in eternal possessions, right? But the way that James is using it here, he's showing us that that there are some among us who are abounding in material resources to the point that it will impact them to the point that they will need to face humiliation in order to be in alignment with God. And so this is challenging for us because... The reality is, is that most of us fit within the category of the rich. So much so that it impacts our ability to deal with Jesus in the way that he's calling us to deal with him. Most of us fit within this category so tightly that we could hear the words of Jesus echoing in the background saying that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich person to enter to the kingdom of God. That's heavy. And the reason that it's heavy is because we don't take assessment of our lives enough to consider the ways that our riches are a spiritual liability for us. See, Jesus views riches as a spiritual liability rather than an asset. That's why he said it's so hard for a rich person to enter into the kingdom. Now, the the reason for that, listen to this, and and, and I want to help somebody today. The reason for that is this is because we get so caught up in our possessions and our resources that we oftentimes believe that we don't need God. More to the point, we often live our lives so reliant on our resources 
that we put God to the side as we pursue more resources. And then I'll parenthetically, I'll say this. We spend so much time pursuing after those resources, and then we wouldn't even dare to give God a portion that he deserves of the things that he's allowed us to obtain. We won't give God what he asked for because we're so persistent and consistent on pursuing those things that we don't even see that our riches are a liability to us. And so I want to help us today. I want to help us to see he's calling the person who is rich to boast, to do the same kind of boasting, but to boast in their humiliation. See, this humiliation, it refers to not rising far from the ground. So a humble, right, humble is when you when you don't rise far from the ground. And so it, it, it could also talk about being of low estate, but it talks about spiritual abasement. See, the humiliation that you need, right, is to be humbled spiritually by God. And oftentimes the challenges of our life, oftentimes the, the, the things in our lives make it difficult for us to humble ourselves is because we haven't done the work spiritually of abasing ourselves. So spiritually, listen, what you need in what you need to recognize spiritually is that ready for this? Without God, you are nothing. Without his saving grace in your life, you're nothing. Without his grace, you can do nothing. And so the problem with riches, the problem with the pursuit of riches is that we live our lives as if we can do everything we want to do with God on the side. And that's how some of us live our lives. Just give me a little sprinkle of Jesus every now and then. As my spiritual father would say, just, Jesus is like the parsley on the plate. <laughs> it's just, he's just there to make me look good. Instead of being the 32-ounce tomahawk steak ribeye on the plate. That's a lot of meat. <laughs> I just said that I did. Um, so, like we, we treat Jesus like he's a side dish. We we treat him like he's just accoutrements, just like sprinkled across the plate. But Jesus is saying to us, he's showing us, and listen, watch this though. He'll go so far to get us to understand this, that he'll allow trials to come into our lives. See, the reason why some of us don't get it 
is because we haven't been through anything. We've had everything in our life go according to plan. And then we wonder why we have no depth. We wonder why we <laughs> we wonder why we don't have any real sense of connection with God. It's because we haven't been through anything. We ain't been through nothing. And so I want you to see this. I want you to see this. He's telling us here, saying, listen, boast in your humiliation. Perceive and lament your moral littleness before God. Because, verse 10, ready? Because your riches will pass away like the flower of the field. This is heavy, I know, but I, I, I think it's so important for us in, in the midst of, 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 our, of our culture is that we don't think of ourselves too highly. Some of us got to come down a little bit. We, 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 we think too much of ourselves. We, we, we think we deserve too much. Uh, see, God ought to do this. And so we walk around with an air and an attitude when God doesn't do things the way that we want him to do it. Because we pray this prayer, let my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the prayers we pray. <laughs> but the prayer that we're supposed to pray is a prayer that points us to this reality is that we have to boast in our humiliation. So what he's saying is, is that the person who is rich, you're good too, as long as you boast in the fact that you have been brought low by Jesus. It's not saying that you can't have money, but it's saying that if you do have money, you better be being brought low by Jesus on a regular basis. <laughs> you better be being humbled by Jesus on a regular basis. So listen, am I saying because you got 27 pairs of sneakers that you should give them away? Possibly. But you don't have to do that as long as you are generous, right? And if you see somebody who is in need, guess what? You help provide for the need of the person who's in need. Humble yourself. And so he says they will pass away. Like the flower of the field, and I'm, I'm almost out of time. He says to them, the, the, this flower here, and, and I need you to recognize this. The flower here, it talks about a blossom, right? And so a blossom is, 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 is when a flower is in a state or period of flowering. It's, it's opening. It's starting to open. It's starting to blossom or it's starting to mature, right, in, in a healthy and promising way. And so... There is a state of blossoming for each and every one of us in the Christian life. What do I mean by that? There are times when you're up. And there are times when you're down. Ecclesiastes 3.1 helps us with that. It says that there is a time for everything, a season for every activity under the sun. But he says that it will perish. The, the, the rich person, their riches will pass away like the flower of the field. This idea for field here, it comes from, its origins come from a Latin word which means things to be provided. It talks about a, 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 a place where, where, where animals graze and there's grass. It, it talks about that. But, but it, it comes from an origin that, that points us to things 
to be provided. And so here's what I need you to see is that the things to be provided, those things will pass away. But the provider will never pass away. I, I want you to see this. Here's how, here's how I know that. James jumps into verse 11, a quotation, as he typically does, of the Old Testament scriptures. He goes back to Isaiah chapter 40 in verse 8. And he says this, he, he echoes this. He says, the, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God remains forever. And so what I'm calling you here to today as you are being devoted to humility is recognizing that all of your stuff it will ultimately pass away one day. That's why James here, the brother of Jesus, he, he's thinking about his brother's words and, and he's saying, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth, <laughs> but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust don't destroy. And so James here is telling us, he's saying, listen, all of the possessions that you have, all that stuff's going to fade away. And the only thing that's going to stand is the word of God that will remain forever the sun's going to rise the scorching wind's going to come it's going to dry up everything and that drying up is is the beauty of the scorching winds of life because that's what the idea is and I want you to see here is that the beauty of the scorching winds of life is that this word here for dries up can be translated as matures. So, the scorching winds of life, the trials that come into your life, the difficulty that comes into your life, is there to mature you. And so the grass will, will fade, the, the flower will, will fall away, it will become inefficient, it will be without effect, it will fall powerless. Because riches are inefficient and powerless. <laughs> unless you are connected to the one who has all riches. But then it tells us that the beautiful appearance of riches will perish and be destroyed. And so I need us, family, in verse 11, I need us to see this, is that James is trying to instruct us to be devoted to humility in a way that calls us to recognize the inefficiency of our riches. That stuff won't last. It'll fade away. But what will stand as we pursue life is the Word of God. That's why we love the Word here. Because it's the Word that will sustain the word will never see in it. I'm going to give you three quick things. You can write these down if you want. Being devoted to humility means knowing how to rejoice in your spiritual riches. Knowing how to rejoice in the spiritual riches that you have through adoption as sons and daughters. 
are rich beyond your understanding in Christ because you've been adopted by him and now you're an heir of the God who has everything number two being devoted to humility means repenting for the ways that you've allowed riches to be a liability in your life some of us have let riches run us down our pursuit of riches just runs us over time and time again we miss on what God has for us because we're too busy chasing after stuff number three being devoted to humility means recognizing the temporal nature of earthly attachments versus the eternality of life in Christ life in Christ is more the stuff of this earth we chase it, we pursue it we want it, we desire it we want to make the best of our lives and that's all good and well but don't forget to recognize that this is only temporal there's eternity after this and we're going to, we're going to have to know how spend our eternity (laughs) because we're going to spend it with Jesus and so you better get used to it (laughs) better get used to spending time with Jesus because you're going to be spending time with him in eternity family it's my prayer for us that we would grow in our devotion to humility aside things that don't matter. We spend so much time on stuff that doesn't even matter. We need to spend some time with the one who matters. So family, it's my prayer for you today that you would be devoted to humility. Humble yourself so that God doesn't have to humble you. Bring yourself low so that God doesn't have to cut you off at the knee to get you to bow. My pastor wrote a book called Beat God to the Punch. (laughs) And the point of the book was, you better get down (laughs) or lay down. (laughs) Get down or lay down. Because there's a day that's coming where every knee shall bow shall confess whether you believe in Jesus or not (laughs) whether you thought he was just a good teacher or guru whether you just thought that he was not the son he was only the son of God he wasn't God himself whatever you think about him there's a day that's coming where you're going to have to bow your knee before him so bow now and I pray right now for anyone under the sound of my voice that does not know Jesus today 
that they might come to know him in the fellowship of his suffering, that they might come to know Jesus in the fullness of his love. You have been made rich in Christ. It doesn't matter if you get the bag here on earth. You've got bags in heaven. long as what you do here is submitted to the lordship of Jesus and so you can put your trust in a God like that a one who, who doesn't require anything of you other than for you to give yourself to him you don't got to do a hundred prayers a day you don't got you know, you to do a whole bunch of other stuff just give yourself to him give yourself to him fully I pray by the power of the spirit God that this word would go out and, and, and that it has accomplished what it was set out to do. We know that your word won't come back void. God, I pray, help us to grow in our devotion to you and help us be devoted to you more.